Welcome to Sermon Seasonings, the podcast of Christchurch Gladesville, where we dig a little more deeply into the passage we looked at on Sunday morning. I'm Mandy Curley. I'm Seb. So welcome back to the podcast. Uh, You might notice that we're missing Dave. Don't fear everybody, he will be back on the podcast, but he is currently in isolation with his family as there are some cases of COVID uh, in the Mears household. But Seb, uh, you've joined us on the staff team and you preached to us on Sunday. You've been here for three weeks now? Yeah, about two and a half, yep. Yep. Uh, What are some highlights so far? Uh, Yeah, loved. Uh, I feel like I hit the ground running, but in the best kind of way. So KO would definitely be up there as a big highlight for the start of this year in my role and seeing just a bunch of high schoolers, including three of my boys in my year nine youth group, uh, responding to the gospel and committing to following Christ. And so super encouraged that that camp was able to go ahead. Um, On the other end of the spectrum, we had our 50 plus uh, launch lunch uh, two Sundays ago, and that was hugely encouraging, or one Sunday ago, hugely encouraging, um, uh, just to get that ministry up and going and seeing some of the direction that that will have uh, throughout this year as well. And then uh, on Saturday in the weekend just past, we had our growth group leaders huddle. So that was really exciting to meet all the growth group leaders and for us to come together as a team and look forward to launching groups this week. Yeah, well, you certainly have uh, hit the ground running and we've uh, kept you busy to start off with. And it was great on Sunday as we were able to begin our series in the second half of Mark's Gospel, thinking about following the King. Uh, You opened for us Mark chapter 9 from verses 1 to 13. And we really saw clearly the importance there of looking at Jesus and listening to him. Um, Thanks so much for actually preaching and helping us to just see the central importance of Jesus and what we think of him. It's my pleasure. uh, Yeah, it's a rich passage. I I think I didn't realise just how much in typical Mark form he's just jam-packed that passage, uh, filled with kind of Old Testament allusions and echoes and things that help bring the significance so that as we look at Jesus, we see, whoa, yeah, he... He is the glorious son. And at the same time, um, uh, the real wrestle for me was also seeing that in a context, there's a, a theme of suffering being explained to the disciples that as they look at Jesus, they don't quite get why he's come, but Jesus is trying to get that message across to him. Yeah, yeah. It was, so, um, it was certainly a challenge. And just I think it's one of those things that it's a great way of actually starting our year as we actually orient ourselves towards Jesus and all he has to say. So... What are we going to try and cover this morning? I thought I'd take us to the climax in that passage. Uh, so verse 7 is the, the kind of climactic moment. They're already up a mountain, just the three disciples and Jesus, and uh, a cloud overshadowed them. Moses and Elijah appear. Uh, verse 7 reads, And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud, This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And suddenly looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. And uh, something that struck me about those words from the cloud, uh, it's very similar to the baptism back in Mark chapter 1, uh, where the same, or almost the same words are spoken. Uh, give me one second and I'll pull it up. Uh, I was going to say, that's um, generally my job is to uh, read the passage oh, that, that Dave throws to me, and you've got to love it as you're then trying to very quickly find it and got see. It verse, verse 11, Mark 1. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. Yeah, so very, very similar words. The one little difference is the with you I am well pleased 
uh, from Mark 1, picks up on the Isaiah 42, suffering uh, servant language, whereas in uh, Mark 9, that part's dropped out, and so you get the still the son reference, still the, the one whom I love, uh, and yet it's replaced with the addition is the, the Deuteronomy 18, 15 um, reference, listen to him, mm. um, picking up on, on Moses saying that another will come after me like me and, we're t- and, and you are to listen and obey what yep. he says. Which is actually that fascinating way that, that Mark does that and actually the way that biblical illusions often work is that you've got something that's very similar and that as you read closely and as you understand the text well, mm. you're supposed to recognise, hang on, this is the same but a little bit different. Yes. And the different here of the the listen to him as it's taken us back to to Moses and the law in the Old Testament, it actually is just so much, it's the centre of what this passage is about. Yes, it makes you ask the question, in, in the baptism, Jesus' ministry is being inaugurated but here to have almost the same statement, it's 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 almost it's an inauguration of something. It's a there's a shift that's mm. happening that perfectly lines up with uh, the shift in in where Mark's gospel is going as well as as Jesus begins to head towards the cross. And in our chapters, chapter eight, nine, and ten, the three distinctive things are that three times Jesus predicts that he's come to suffer, be rejected, and die. Yeah, and I guess that's it, isn't it? That as we look at this passage and as we see the context, it's often as we dig into the context that we actually see some of the richness Mm. of what's going on in there. Now, you uh, mentioned to me a little bit earlier that there's actually, as we look at, um, pretty sure that I can claim this one as a Markin sandwich. Sure. Um, Here, so uh, do you want to remind our readers, uh, we Dave and I did talk about this. Was it last year that we did, Mark? Uh, yes, turn one. Turn one. I was going to say it all. The last two years have blurred into each other. But so Mark and sandwiches. Mark has this habit of it's not a literal bre- bread, but he'll often take. Uh, there'll be the bread on the outside are sort of two events that are related to each other, um, and then the meat is in the middle. And so the key. Um, story that you're looking at or what's being told but it's surrounded by other events that actually speak into it and so you look at it together as a section so what's the sandwich that's going on here how do we see the healings that happen on either side um, of this passage that help us to understand what the key idea that mark's getting at here yeah if you were there for the internet the peter raw is really helpful at, at saying that the little episodes of healing that come up uh, throughout Mark help you to actually consider um, that they're, they're kind of key. They're not just thrown in as sort of random events, but um, but they help to both show who Jesus is, the power that he has, but there's there's also a message in each one of them. And in the lead up to Mark chapter nine, you have a uh, you have the healing of a deaf man and a, and a mute man, and uh, and uh, just from verse thirty one onwards, and uh, and again uh, from verse thirty four. Did you want to? So you want me to read that Yeah, just one? those two verses. That's yep. great. So um, he began to teach that this uh, – hang on, I'm in chapter 8, verse uh, 30, 7, 7, 7, 31. Right. I was going to say, that doesn't sound like <laughs> what I think I'm supposed to be reading. Uh, so 7.31. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon, down the Sea of Galilee and into the region of the Decapolis. There some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. After he took him aside away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, 
oh, I hate having to do this. You're just <laughs> like Dave. Ephathatha, which means be opened. At this, the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone, but the more he did so, the more people kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He's done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. That's it. So you have this healing of a deaf man. And then just a little later, just before the Peter um, uh, confrontation with Jesus, uh, in chapter 8, you have a healing of a blind man at Bethsaida. So chapter 8, verse 22. They came to Bethsaida and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hand on him, Jesus asked, Do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking. Once more, Peter put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, don't even go into the village. So I just thought it was interesting that in the, in the lead into Mark chapter 9 and the transfiguration where you see these two themes of sight and um, hearing that Mark's actually almost prepared us for uh, through these healings um, of, of, a, of a, a man who can't hear properly and then of someone who sees but doesn't see mm. right before you get Peter make his um, proclamation that you are the Christ. Everyone else has got him wrong so far, Elijah and one of the prophets, John the Baptist, but no, you are the Christ. And yet at the same time, he sees, but it's blurry. It, you know, it's yeah. like he, he, he still needs divine help to actually recognise um, Jesus for who he really is, which is tied to why he's really come. And, uh, and I'm not sure if this is the, the end of the Mark and Sandwich, but at the end of chapter 10, um, uh, you get uh, another healing of the blind man, Bartimaeus. Mm. And before that, just after the Transfiguration episode, we'll see this next Sunday, is um, it's like we go up to the heights of heaven and heaven meets earth with, with the Transfiguration, the cloud coming down. But suddenly next, next Sunday we're going to see that actually you come down into the valley and there's a man with an unclean, a boy with an unclean mm. spirit. And so you, there's, you can kind of see that there's a, a, a kingdom of God confrontation going on. Yep. And I love the way that as we look carefully at this, we see the details and the way that these miracles that Mark has placed there in his account of what Jesus has happened, there's no accident as to why it's these miracles that he's telling us about then, that he uses them to help prepare us to actually look at Jesus and to listen to him. And really that's what we're on about in this podcast and what we're on about as a church because we want to be people who are better readers of God's word who um, notice the details and dig deeply into it and actually think about, well, what does that mean and how does that actually change me? And I guess that change language is kind of interesting really because the transfiguration that you spoke about is actually all about change and transformation, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. So it's something um, brief that I mentioned and uh, was the language of the transfigured word that gets used of Jesus comes up twice in uh, later in the New Testament, and the, the verse I re- mentioned was 2 Corinthians 3.18, uh, where Paul writes in that chapter all about being ministers of the new covenant, uh, we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed, transfigured into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And so Paul has this um, doctrine of transformation uh, where where. As we behold the glory of Christ ourselves, uh, we are 
being made not not you know at times it feels slow <laughs> and like you you're tripping down an escalator but but in varying degrees we become more like the savior um, mm-hmm. even as we contemplate him and the other uh, verse that where this same word comes up is uh, at the turning point in uh, the letter to the Romans uh, chapter 12 verse 1 and 2 do you want to read that Mandy yeah so therefore i urge you brothers and sisters in view of god's mercy to offer yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. And it's that word transformed by the renewal of your mind. So we're being challenged in the light of all that Christ, that God has done for us in Christ uh, to offer ourselves in worship and um, how fitting a, on a uh, linking to a passage which is seeing the glory of the Son um, who is the one who tabernacles amongst us, who is the very presence of God, the radiance of his glory, um, that we in response offer our own bodies mm. up in as living sacrifices to him. And the, the word transformed there, is, is that's the key word there, don't be conformed by the to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, and that's the key. Yeah, is that how do we, how do we um, become more like Christ? It's having uh, our thought world reshaped by mm. God's word, yeah. um, and as it's reshaped, we we come uh, to discern more rightly what pleases God. Yeah, and really that brings us to part of your big application on Sunday, and something that I think I've definitely had lots of conversations after all three of the gatherings with people about what are they doing with their daily Bible reading and what does that look like and how do you go about doing it? And really, I think this is the this is the why of why we do it. We want to be people who are more and more like Jesus, that he's working within us and changing us to be more like him. And the way that he does that is through his word. And so it's only as people who clearly understand what he says, who are soaked in it regularly, that we can actually be people who know him better and become more like him. Yes, and so the challenge that I put out there um, uh, was to be committed to daily Bible reading. And and part of the challenge there is that that is just the key way that, um, or one of the key ways that uh, that we are grown as Christians, that we do come to see Christ more clearly. And it is an exercise of faith. Um, faith comes um, – we, we, we won't necessarily see Christ visible. We will one day face-to-face, but there's, as we engage with God's word, his means of grace to reveal his, um, his will to us, that's, that is how we come to know Christ more deeply. And so the challenge I put out there yesterday was uh, that as we launch growth groups uh, for the coming week as well, that if we haven't already, if we're not already committed to daily Bible reading, and I know many of us are, um, but it could well be that you've started the year with good intentions and at the end of January, now's the time to just check as I kick into gear, back to work, back to school, as things get busy again, um, will you keep that? principle of being committed to hearing God in his word and there's lots of I think we're going to go through lots mm. of different various ways and patterns that um, uh, that that might look like and and certainly not one size fits all um, uh, but the principle is still there that actually we are the people of the word who come to know Christ uh, as he's made himself known yeah so as we then think about that so where we're committed, we're convicted that God's word is good and is the thing that we need to be feeding on. 
how on earth do we do it? Because it feels like sometimes I look at this book and go, it's really big. (laughs) Um, And, you know, I can definitely be one of those people who've had, you know, really good intentions of, you know, I'm going to read through the entire Bible at least once in the year and do that. Um, But I must admit there are times when I get stuck in certain parts of the Old Testament that just feel a little bit harder to work out, um, you know, when such and such begat such and such, who begat such and such, who begat such and such. And I'm like, yeah. So how do we actually go about reading and being systematic about what we're doing so that God can keep speaking to us and transforming us? Yeah. And I think the key key is to have a plan. Um, and so I, I, maybe it's helpful if we both share just the plan that we've uh, approaching this year with and why, we, why we've chosen it and then maybe broaden that to what we've done in the past or other plans that we've heard of or are aware other people are doing at church as well, just to really start a conversation to help those who don't have a plan at the moment or even those who are just thinking about, do I have a plan that's going to work well this year for Bible reading? Um, For me this year, I've just changed the plan that I'm doing. The last two years I've been uh, doing the uh, Navigator's Discipleship Journal Reading Plan and uh, what I liked about that plan the stage of life we're at, we've had kids under the age of three. Uh, I was commuting an hour, doing a nine-to-five job, and um, and working at crew meant that there were camps that came up regularly. And so what I liked about that particular plan was it left you a little bit of margin at the end of each month, five days, to catch up if you were behind. And uh, if you were right on track, it actually gives you a little breathing space to do something a little bit different. Um, maybe memorize some scripture, maybe go out, go back over a key passage that uh, you wanted to explore in more depth. Uh, that plan takes you through the Bible in a year, uh, but it goes through the Old Testament quite quickly and the New Testament very slowly. Um, the one I've shifted to this year is one that I've done before in the past, uh, but not the last couple of years, uh, and it's the McChain plan, uh, which has a few variations. There's a McChain in two years and McChain in one year. I'm having a go at the McChain in one year just because I, I really want to be immersed in God's word and to be living in it, um, both for my role and also just to be deeply nourished um, even as I preach and do other things like that. Uh, That plan goes through, so the one-year plan goes through the Old Testament once in a year, the New Testament twice in a year, and the Psalms twice in a year. So you're reading four readings each day. Um, You are, uh, I think you start off in um, Genesis, Acts, Matthew, and Ezra. And uh, so you're kind of at different stages of God's redemptive narrative and you start to, one of the beauties of it is you start to see these interweaving links as you read through it. Um, Some will, I do read it with uh, Don Carson's For the Love of God devotional book and he just has a one-page reflection on one of those readings that I find really helpful. Um, So that's the one I'm using this year. What are you on, Mandy? Yeah, well, so I've done For the Love of God a couple of times. One of the things that I found, I think it was about halfway through last year, again, the last two years blur into one and I can't work out. I was actually finding the the volume of doing it and doing it so quickly, I was actually just – I found myself getting to the I've just got to get through these chapters and tick this off and it. I was finding it hard to dwell Mm. uh, in it deeply. So I actually – throughout the trying to get through the whole thing in a year for a while and actually went really slowly. Yes. And so I then picked um, a book. And so at the time I started with Philippians first and I then chose to spend a month in Philippians, which was a bit of a kind of, uh, when you think through, that would have been a day Mm. um, on the old plan. 
But what I did in that was I spent the month and so I read all of Philippians first and then I read chapter one and then over the next uh, six days I read through chunks of it in really little chunks and found myself like read the little chunk, thought about what that was, reflected on it, prayed through it. And so by the end of the month, I'd read all of Philippians about six times. Um, And it really was, I actually like, I felt like I could almost, I couldn't quite recite Philippians to you, but I could tell you where it started, where it went, what was going on and how it linked to each other and found myself noticing details that I've preached Philippians before, but found myself noticing details that I'd missed. And that's the power, isn't it, of of having a reading plan that helps you to deeply meditate on Scripture as well. Yeah. So I've then gone with the I'm flicking between I pick a New Testament book, I read through that, and then I pick an Old Testament book. And I do that and I've taken to doing the, I do a bit of both and. Mm. So at the beginning of whatever I'm reading, I read the entire book. Um, So, you know, harder when you're doing things like Jeremiah Um, but you can actually in kind of some fairly long chunks get through it and the first read when I'm doing that I'm deliberately doing it at a at a it's I'm not skimming it but I am working quickly to get big picture yes because I am then immediately going back and doing the slower deeper Um, so at the moment I'm Start at the beginning of Romans uh, for this one. And so, again, I've read through the entirety and then I'm just working my way slowly through, um, not quite as slowly as I did Philippians, but it generally is, it's about a chapter. Um, sometimes it'll be a little bit less, sometimes a little bit more, but trying to do it in a bit more chunks. It's a process of reading and rereading that really helps you. Mm. That, that is where where some of the the truth really sinks in, isn't it? I mean, it's a bit like if... You've got another favourite novel that you've read before. The first time, it's all first reading. It's all new. You don't know what comes up. You don't know how it's going to end. But it's the second, the third, that, you know, if it's a book you really enjoy or even a movie, you you see things that you haven't seen before. Mm -hmm. And so there are different strategies. Um, And I like that you're you're deeply in the New Testament Philippians and, and yet... You said you also had the Old Testament. Why both? Yeah, so a little bit because um, it's all God's word. I think I'm probably someone that um, having not grown up in a Christian family and actually not grown up with any of the Old Testament stories, they're actually much more unfamiliar. Mm. And so my natural tendency would be to actually stay in the New Testament. Problem is, is that passages like Mark (laughs) 9 that we looked at, you actually get that you don't get them if you don't know the Old Testament. Yes. Yeah. Um, there is so there is so much richness in the way that God has actually fulfilled his promises throughout history. And so making sure that I actually take that time to go back through, there's a reason why it's two-thirds of our scripture. Yes. <laughs> um, and so actually learning to kind of love some of that big picture, even though I've got to admit I Chronicles, I just find hard work. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a bit, if you've ever discipled a, a first time Christian, that they, they usually have this instinctive desire, which is wonderful to read the Bible, but often that is go, let's go back to Genesis. I'm just going to read it front to back cover. Um, and that can be wonderful, but you also know almost, oh, it. Would it's good to maybe have either start with the gospel or do read Genesis, but maybe have a part of the New Testament at the same time so that you can be seeing the promise and fulfillment happening at once. Because otherwise, you you do get bogged down yep. often, and and, if, and obviously it's easier if you're in a group or you have someone else who reads the same plan as you. 
um, but it's it's not an uncommon experience to hit the second half of Exodus and and uh, you're on to the tabernacle instructions or you're into Leviticus and the purity laws and and that can be where Bible reading gets more challenging where um, the, the media parts where you can't quite see as instinctively then you're no longer in narrative and, and that can make it more challenging. Yeah. And so I guess even part of this conversation is the whole, there's not one plan that is the right plan for everybody. Mm. Um, but the right plan is to have a plan. Yes. Yep. And the wrong plan is no plan. Yes. Yeah. To coast. I mean, you, it, there, there is a, uh, we're in spiritual warfare. We, we, we have, we, the world doesn't naturally think God's ways and we're being molded one way or the other. And, um, and, as born again Christians, we've been we've been given God's Spirit, and He's the Spirit of the Word of Truth, and the Word is the sword of the Spirit, mm-hmm. and uh, and so we we engage in a process of having our our minds transformed and renewed, and um and we want we have and we want the the mind of Christ mm-hmm. in the way we see the world, in the way we see ourselves, in uh, the way we we look to all that Christ has done for us, um, and so in that sense. Uh, have a plan because otherwise you'll be molded in the wrong direction. Yeah. And uh, it's a, you know, someone said, uh, um, uh, "This this Bible, this word will keep you from sinning, or sin will keep you from it." Mm. And, and so there's that that commitment to God's word um, that helps us to shape us in God's way. So have a plan, uh, otherwise you're drifting in the wrong direction for sure. Yeah. And so we're going to include in the show notes links to quite a few different plans uh, that you can do. Uh, we were reflecting earlier that um, one of our colleagues likes to, uh, he does uh, the entire Bible in 90 days. He's incredible <laughs> how he does it. <laughs> so, you know, that's going to work for some people and that's the whole, there's then uh, getting that whole big picture and keeping it together uh, tightly. Uh, there are plans like the McShane plan, which takes you through the entire, so you go through the entire Bible. There's some repetition in there of, so New Testament and the Psalms twice. Uh, you can do that plan over two years and there's links uh, to that there. What are some of the other ideas of what people can do? Yes, so... Um uh, there was one I mentioned on Brian uh, on Gospel Coalition by Brian Rosner uh, to the growth group leaders at the huddle, and uh, he he has shares a bit about the articles on Gospel Coalition. Brian Rosner, three bookmarks is what it's called uh, in your Bible, and he shares how his different experiences of starting Bible plans as New Year resolutions and falling off track uh, on those Bible plans, um, and so what he has formed a habit of doing instead. Um, is to have one bookmark in the Old Testament, one bookmark in the New Testament, and one bookmark in the Psalms or Proverbs. Mm -hmm. And his commitment is, I'm going to every day advance one of those bookmarks. And uh, on a day where he's got a bit more space to do his devotion, uh, however long that is, it could be 20 minutes, could be half an hour, could be 45 minutes, could be an hour, but he he may well actually advance all three bookmarks. Um, But he's got one in the Old, one in the New for that promise fulfilment. Uh, but what he's found is often, um, you know, there are crazy weeks and things that come up that you didn't expect. And that might just be, I'm just going to move one bookmark forward. The other thing that he picks up helpfully is that some Bible reading plans um, move through the Psalms and the Proverbs, especially quite quickly. Uh, and he just reflects that actually it's almost the genres of writing in the Bible mean that it's more natural sometimes to read a narrative in a more extended form and not to just stop because you've reached the end of the chapter. 
Um, whereas for those wisdom literature, actually taking it in smaller chunks in a slow way uh, helps you to, to sink in the truth um, more slowly. Yeah. And so that's a, that's a helpful plan for someone who's an idealist and maybe uh, a little bit uh, rigid and, and feels uh, like, you know, you're, you're failing if you're not keeping your Bible plan. And actually that could just be a nice grace-centered way of still sticking to the principle, but uh, having more flexibility with it as well. Yeah. Um, another one that I've seen that I've not done before, but I found um, I really like the idea of it and it picks up some of what you were saying that Brian was talking about, about the different types of genres actually needing a different pace. Mm. Um, there's one that's a – so it's a year-long Bible reading plan that actually has in each of the seven days of the week you read a different genre each day. Nice. So it means that, for instance, your, your Sunday might be reading through the epistles. So you're looking at New Testament letters. On Monday, you're reading law and you work over the course of the year through the law. On Tuesday, it's history. On Wednesday, you read the Psalms. On Thursday, you read poetry. On Friday, you read prophecy. And then on Saturday, you read through the Gospels. And so again, it's just a way, if you're someone who likes variety, um, who likes that idea, you know, you might end up with a favourite day of the week. But it just gives you that the different genres and so they're at a slightly different pace throughout. I love it. Um, the other helpful one, I know when just, I think it was just before we had Archie, Archie was born, Jess found this one. She read the book Women of the Word by Jen Wilkin and um, something that she quite, she was challenged to actually read as, as a, a new mum with a newborn. Jen was challenging that book along with Risen Motherhood was saying don't think of this season as a time when you can't engage deeply with God's word even though you're not going to have the same time or space that you've had in the past. And, uh, and so what she used the last couple of years was bite-sized Bible readings, but then she'd print out, yeah, maybe it is Philippians or one of those letters, uh, a book that she wanted to explore in more detail. And uh, she would once uh, for an hour on the weekend, she'd line me up to, you know, <laughs> to have no kids, no duties with babies. And, and that would be her time with a printed out version of the letter to do a similar thing to your mm. Bible reading plan of actually rereading it, but with some highlighters, with some pens. And, um, and so there's a bit of a moving through the scriptures throughout the week, but a bit more of an immersion with one book of mm. the Bible as you go as well on the weekends. Yeah, yeah, that's a great way of doing it. Another one that um, I've got on my phone uh, is called She Reads Truth. Mm. There's also a version of it called He Reads Truth. Um, and so they break down different uh, books of the Bible or some topical things um, and it's they have a plan and so some of them are seven days, some of them are 14 days, some of them are 28 days and you can then just read through within them. They have a, It sounds a little bit similar to the one that you did. There's often a grace day within there that just recognizes sometimes your week goes slightly belly up and there's often a revision um, towards the end of the week that gets you to do the reflection back over what you've read and I found that helpful there's a little bit of an online community in that so that if you find the encouragement they often have one reading that's going on that sort of worldwide is being done at the same time so you can actually do that or you can like the word book yes (laughs) (laughs) Um, when I was at Crew, actually, so yeah, some of the Crew can, and what you've just mentioned actually about uh, accountability that 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 can be a really helpful thing. If there's a friend who a friend or a family member on the same Bible reading plan, can be hugely encouraging to for sticking at it. 
Um, and so I know every time my and every time my grandmother gets in touch or I call her, I know that she's in the for the love of God, and I know <laughs> that she will have read the same reading I read. Um, and, but my younger sister, we're on different Bible reading plans, but she's just started a traineeship at Sydney Uni, um, and. Uh, she was saying, oh, I, I was struggling a bit with um, my Bible reading last year. And so we've just set up a WhatsApp chat where we say day 31, tick. And mm. it's just a way of keeping each other on track. And it, it is quite motivating when the mm. other when you see a little WhatsApp to, <laughs> oh, the other person's done their readings. I need to, I need to do mine as well. Yep, yep. Um, another thing for those who maybe actually enjoy listening to things and so are a bit more auditory, um, the ESV has a daily readings podcast. Um, so I know that I've used this in the past. Um, I find that I like to have my Bible open in front of me at the same time, but listening as well when I'm engaging both listening and reading at the same time, I often recall more. Um, And so that's one that all 365 days have been uploaded. And so you can just follow along with that and read along with someone else. Yes, and that can be helpful if you commute as well, mm. or if you, yeah, if you're, if you, you don't have a season of life where it's easy to sit down with a book open, but you do, you do have the opportunity to listen a little bit more. Um, I know that some of the crew leaders um, use the Bible Project app, mm. uh, and uh, I, I haven't used it myself, but uh, I know that some of the summary videos, in particular, of the different books of the Bible, I think, from my understanding, that that. Um, app kind of gives you the big picture summary video to watch at the start of starting a new book and uh, and then you can kind of continue your your readings through that month so that could be a good one to check out yep and another one that you mentioned with that and I pulled it up on my um, Apple podcast is there's the dwell Bible in a year yes and um, one of the things just looking through that is that it actually has different voices which depending on again how you like to listen to things actually the variety can be really good and help you to notice things and again that's got all 365 podcasts uploaded already so you can just go back and follow that and listen through from episode one yes so whether you're a high tech or low tech it, it can be helpful um, to have a system of keeping track, whatever your plan is, and and uh, uh, for me personally, I, I've got there's a I know some people use the U version app. I've never used it myself, but I know that's a very popular app with lots of support for different plans. Uh, if you do have a smartphone, the app I use is um, Reading Plan, and so it's a free app. What's nice is you can make your own reading plan, or you can choose a pre pre done one. But I like it's a it's a tick box system. You can link it to your phone if you're occasionally finding that you're you're reading off your phone, um, but it keeps your progress. It actually, mm. you can you know be in September of the year, click on the progress button, and it will show you all of the books highlighted, mm. the ones that you've done and the ones that you haven't done, which just helps you to pick up. Are there any um, books that you you kind of neglect or find harder to read for one reason or another? Yep. Um, and as well as linking to that, I'll also link in the notes. Uh, there's a one-page printable that yes. you can get that has um, from a guy called Mark Barry at Visual Unit. And so he's put all the books of the Bible there with all the chapters. And so that's something that you could print out the visual and then as you read things, you can tick them off. And that can just be helpful to see. Sometimes you'll tend towards one thing more than the other um, to notice, oh, what is it that I haven't read yet? Um, to know what to do so that's just helpful for keeping track of where you're up to the discipleship journal reading plan for navigators also has that one and and it is helpful i I put it up at my um workplace uh, so that i'd come into work and just see and and i'm one of those people who get (laughs) satisfied with a tick and Mm. and so if you if that's a small way of being motivated then do what works for you yeah 
Well, I think hopefully that's a helpful bit of an overview for people. Of, there are so many different options that are out there. Um, pick I, something, have a go. I'll jump in just with one more thing. It, in terms of what you actually do as you do your mm. devotion reading, um, there, there are we were talking about a few different acronyms that are helpful, but one of them is um, PART, P-A-R-T, and it might have come from one of Jen Wilkins' books, but it's P is for praise, A is for admit, R is for request, and T is for thanks. And it's a way of actually responding to what you've read. Um, mm. So read God's word, but then respond in some way. And there, there are a few different acronyms yeah, that you can pick so, up on. Yeah, the other two that I'm quite familiar with is, um, so REAP, um, which, so read, explore and think about it, apply it and pray. Nice. Um, because we really, reading God's word is about being transformed mm. to be like Jesus. And so we want to be praying and asking for his help to do that. What was the other one? There? And then the other one is SOAP, nice. uh, which quite a similar thing so um scripture so make sure you're in the word um observe um apply and pray so reap and soap are quite similar in what they're doing but they're really getting to the fact that we want to be praying and asking for god's spirit to be at work in us while we're reading his word so that we can understand deep in the word deep in prayer love it yeah so um seb as we finish off um should I read us um, and send us out from Psalm 119? Sounds great. Verse 97. So Psalm 119 from verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. I have kept my feet from every evil path, so that I might obey your word. I have not departed from your laws, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts, therefore I hate every wrong path. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. I've been Mandy. I've been Seb. Thanks for joining us on Sermon Seasonings today. Join us again next week as we dig into the rest of Mark chapter 9. <laughs>